0: We are continuing today in our attitude adjustment series, uh, props to that lady, at least she went to the gym, it's probably like our attitude's halfway there. I- I've described this series a little bit like going to the gym or any kind of exercise, like it's hard work and doesn't feel good at the time, but afterwards it's awesome. And uh, you know, I don't know about you, but each week I kind of see a new one of these come up and I'm like, oh, and then this week... I uh, got told, you know, that I was preaching well before this week. But this week, I looked at kind of what I was speaking on, and I, I had to ask Pastor Dean. I was like, "Did you do this on purpose? Like, was this divine intervention or just an intervention, or, 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 or what might it be?" He's like, "No, but glad you know. If you're thinking like that, maybe do some extra work." So I did. Uh, but it has been good, even the last couple of weeks, just looking at, you know, uh, you know, complaining to thankfulness. How how good is that? Like thought to go, you know, instead of. You know just having a complaint to be thankful for kind of what we have last week uh Pastor Michelle sure we're insolent to honoring did I get that right yep that's good and uh this week we're gonna we're gonna have a look at another uh another one of these uh adjustments as well uh you know it was uh how good's also having John Cena? I feel like it's like reignited my like passion for wrestling. In fact, last week, I, I, I think he knew this was coming. So he's hiding this time. I don't know if he's in the room anywhere. He's not. But last week we had uh, someone who actually thought that our very own Ben Shea, if you know Ben, kind of does a lot of great stuff around here. He's, he's a big, strong unit as well. I uh, actually thought that he was John Cena. So they thought we were showing a video of him. Uh, so I feel like if he hears this, he's going to give me an attitude adjustment straight through the floor, so uh, we won't tell him I did it again, but if you see him, you can start calling him John, you can call him Cena, you know kids, if you've got kids, take them to the inflatable, you can give them a real attitude adjustment on the inflatable, it'll be a lot of fun, Uh, but you know, it's just been uh, just a fun series and a lot of, uh, I guess a lot of fun, but also it's it's so good to to see what God can do when we look at our lives and, and look at uh, how we're living and what we're doing and, and aim to be more like Him. And, you know, this whole thing is not about making us feel bad about who we are and, and the mistakes that sometimes we can make and the, the things that need to change, but actually it's more about taking another step towards being like Jesus. Isn't that right? We're never going to be perfect, but we always want to be taken, just even if it's a little step, a little bit, little step closer to being more like Him. And so today we're going to have a look at another uh, attitude adjustment and we're going to start in, in Numbers 12. I'm going to have a look at uh, this story and it starts here it says while they were in Hazaroth, miriam and aaron criticized moses because he had married a cushite woman they said has the lord spoken only through moses hasn't he spoken through us too but the lord heard them now moses was very humble more humble than any other person on earth and so we here we have moses this great leader this this guy who's been appointed by god God speaks to him. He does great things through him. He, he, he's leading the people. And he makes a decision to, to marry a woman. And uh, his, own, his own siblings, Miriam and Aaron, they don't like this, this woman. I'm sure uh, plenty of us have had friends that have, you know, maybe married people. And we, we look and go, all right, like power to you. Or, you know, uh, they're not like, you know, I don't necessarily get along with them or, or whatever it might be. And they look and they go, we don't like what he's done here. And so the Bible says that they begin to criticize him. They begin to go, They begin to question whether. There's anything special about Moses and his leadership. Has God uh, only spoken through Moses? Doesn't he, doesn't he kind of do stuff through us as well? What's so great about him? Look at what he's done. And what you see come out of uh, just these few verses here is that these guys have developed a critical attitude. They've looked at Moses. They've looked at something that he's done. You know, the Bible doesn't uh, say here that Moses married uh, a wrong woman. It doesn't say that Moses marrying her was sin. In fact, it just says that he, he married... A Christian woman, and they didn't like this, and so they began to criticize Moses. Tearing him down, trying to, trying to attack his leadership, kind of going, well, you know, if he can be human, then, you know, maybe we're just as, as good as he is. And you begin to see this critical attitude uh, rise up. And you can see on the screen here, there's a definition here for criticism, and I, and I really found this helpful. It says, dwelling on the perceived faults of another with no view to their good. And you see that right here in this story. There's, there's no uh, goodness to their criticism. There's nothing helpful about what they're saying. There, there's no heart in them to go, hey, let's get around Moses and kind of talk to him about what he's done here. They're just straight up dwelling on something that they thought he'd done wrong and then beginning to use that to tear him down. And what we don't want to be as, as followers of Christ is people that walk around with a critical attitude. I don't know if you've ever been on the receiving end before of someone with a critical attitude or someone who's come at you with criticism. I remember a few years ago, uh, as a bit of a younger leader, I I got this email from someone, and it kind of had a letter attached to it, and I thought, oh, yeah, open this up, beauty. It's Monday, great way to start the day, get in the emails. This will be encouraging, I'm sure. This guy I just met, and I opened it up, and this letter that was attached basically was just full of criticism. And I'd only met this guy one time, and he was saying all these these harsh things about me and one of our teams and, and all this. And I just didn't know what to do. I was incredibly discouraged. But as I began to read it, there, there, there didn't always appear to be a lot of truth that I thought about myself into what I was saying. So I took that to someone, I was like, if I'm honest, I was a little bit angry and kind of wanted to get back on the criticism train with him and be like, Man, you tell truth, I'll tell you some truth. And so thankfully, a good leader kind of said, is any of this true? And I was like, well, you know, maybe there's some stuff there. I like, he goes, you take whatever you think is true and you work on that and then let's take this and throw it in the bin. He goes, this is not helpful to you, this is not going to, and, and it wasn't. I was walking around, I felt incredibly discouraged kind of began to, you know, question some things, and so with good leadership, I was able to kind of get past that, but I know there's times where there are things that are wrong in my life. It's not because I'm perfect, and I could look at that and go, I'm perfect, don't you dare kind of question me. Moses wasn't perfect, but we don't, a critical attitude has no view to someone's good, but I know there's been times that some of the most helpful times in my journey with God is when someone's come to me and gone, hey man, there's this thing here, I don't know if you can see it, or you're just cool with it, or you don't think it's wrong, but With a view to your good, you need to look at this and you need to move past it. Or here's something you're doing and we think you need to stop doing that. And it always comes with a view to my good. And there have been some of the most challenging times but also some of the best times. But a critical attitude and a critical spirit and criticism in general never is about doing good. It's always about bringing people down. And we can see this in this story that immediately all they're doing is, is tearing down Moses, his character, who he is, and, and even his relationship with God. We'll, we'll pick up the story uh, here and we'll continue. And it says in verse four, so immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron and Miriam and said, go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. I don't know about you, but I feel like if you get a message from God that says you, you and you to the tabernacle, I think you're gonna have a bad day. You know, in high school, I, like Michelle, had to do some repenting this week, uh, you know, for my insolent attitude in school. Actually, I, I don't know if anyone's ever been called insolent before, but I'm pretty sure in school someone called me insolent. So I feel like someone calls you insolent, you know you've got a problem. And uh, I, I remember going to class, and this would happen pretty regularly. I'd walk in, sit down, and, you know, the teachers would, like, read the announcements after recess or whatever. Here's all the things, and there would always be this last one at the bottom. And could Ryan please go uh, to the principal's office? He wants to see you. And uh, do that immediately, pack up your stuff and kind of off you go. And I'd be like, oh man, what one of the things has he found out about today uh, that I have done? And there was this moment of walking from the classroom to the principal's office, which was the moment of the unknown, but also of the moment you just know this is not gonna be good. And uh, you'd walk down there and sure enough, uh, you know he would have some things to say to me, maybe a little bit like this. And it says, Then the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called and they stepped forward. I feel like this is a little bit of like that survivor, kind of maybe an Australian idol, American idol moment, like Mary and Aaron stepped forward. Uh, you are not the Australian idol. You're gone. <laughs> you know, we're voting you out of the wilderness, uh, into another wilderness. You are not survivor. And they step forward. And the Lord says to them, he says, now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all of my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant, Moses? Man, that's a principal's office kind of moment. You know, we, we, we live in this world and, and, and that kind of finishes here. So why were you not afraid To criticize my servant Moses. We live in this world where it's becoming easier and easier to receive information. And you know what? It becomes easier and easier to pass our judgment on other people, our criticism on the things that we see. That sometimes we don't even have to have a conversation with someone to criticize them to others. With the power of a keyboard, we can write whatever we want without even needing to say it. And we also don't even necessarily need to think about the impact that that might have on someone or someone else. Because so often that kind of criticism, isn't it, is not really there to help someone. It's there to kind of give an opinion of what you think of their actions or that photo that they put up or their life that they're living or that thing that is happening. Or it's easy to go to someone else like these guys have and gone, oh, did you hear about Moses and how annoying is his new wife and I can't believe he did that. And none of that is about the good of Moses. It's all about Miriam and Aaron and how they're feeling about Moses and his leadership and their relationship with him. His own family questioning him, who he is. You know, I love that the first thing that God does here is he restores his opinion of Moses. Like he, he, he almost defends his character here. Like he, he, he really points out that how Moses is just not another person. Like throughout history, there were prophets and people who did great things for God, that God worked through and did miracles through and, and changed the world around them through. And he stops and goes, if Moses was just a prophet, I would talk to him in this way. But Moses is so much more than that. He begins to, 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 to talk about the truth of how much he loves Moses and how special he is to him. He reinstates him as the person that God has called him to be. And then he deals with him and says, so knowing all of this information, how could you not even be afraid to criticize my servant, Moses? I think so often when we can get into these critical spaces, we We stop even thinking about what we're doing and the impact that it might be having and we we just go for it. I think God here shows us that he takes criticism so seriously. That he didn't wait a little while. As soon as they started doing this, it says immediately, he called them in for a meeting. Immediately. And he looks and goes, this isn't isn't good enough. Kind of need to do better than that. There's this quote I was reading uh, this week in a devotional by Craig Grishow, and it says this, it says, our thoughts matter so much. The thought really does count because what you think determines what you become. Unfortunately, most of us tend to be held captive by toxic thoughts rather than focusing our thoughts on God's truth. You know, God reminds them of the truth about Moses in this situation. Now, I think about my own life and think so often, what lens do I look at other people through? What lens do I sometimes look at our church through? What lens do I look at the person that maybe doesn't know Jesus that's in the street? Do I, do I look at them through the critical eye of gone, oh, but I see what's wrong here. You just need to fix that. Or do I look and go, what is the truth that God says about this person? That he created them, that he made them the way that they are, that they are uniquely called and loved by God. And when I look at them through that lens, I should be afraid to be critical of them. You know, I'm a, a person who loves to analyze things. And so part of the, the journey for me in this is that, oh, criticism can just be a bad habit because initially it starts out well. I just want to, you know, analyze things, help make them better, see things. And... But then suddenly how easy it becomes as a person who thinks that way to look at things and kind of want to improve them to go, everything just becomes negative. So you look and go, well, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. And you begin to see everything for what it's not as opposed to looking at it for what it actually is. And I just love that reminder of looking at things through God's truth. Looking at things the way he sees it. See, this passage continues and it says, The Lord was very angry with them. That's a bad day, right? If that was written about you. Like, the Lord was very angry with them. No, thank you. And he departed. As the cloud moved away, sorry, as the cl- cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam. Her skin as white as snow from leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, Oh, my master, please don't punish us for this sin. We have so foolishly committed. See, Miriam ends up with this skin kind of infection, this, this leprosy, this, this, this thing that would cause you in that day to be cast out away from everybody else. That you wouldn't, no one else would want to become unclean. They wouldn't become infected. So she would be cast out away. That would be it for her. And it's this picture to me that sometimes a critical attitude will lead us to be isolated from everyone else. I don't know if you've ever been around someone and, and, and they're a critical kind of person and, and every time something good happens, they, they see the bad in it. Like it's not always pleasant to be around, is it? And I'm sure there's times in my life, I know there's times in my life where I've been that person. And you can see when you look at someone, say, you don't wanna be that person, but sometimes so easily we fall into that trap. But what we see here is that Their criticism has completely ruined for Miriam, her relationships. It's her own brother that she's criticizing and then God has, her sin has caused her to end up in this place and Aaron is like, the penny dropped, like Moses, please don't let this happen. Like don't let her be cast out. Don't let this be how her story ends. We've sinned, we've made a mistake. It's not just a bad habit. It wasn't just an error. It wasn't just us being unhappy with you. We, We have kind of sinned here. Please, can you do something? And I love the, the response of Moses. It says this it says, So Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh God, please note the language here. Oh God, I beg you, please heal her. The passage tells us that God did heal her. He responds to Moses and says, You know, what humility shown by Moses in that moment, what love is shown by Moses in that moment. And God says he heals her, but she is isolated kind of for seven days as a part of the practice there to make sure she's okay and comes back. And you can just see where this criticism potentially has ruined her relationship with her her family. It's ruined the relationship with her friends. It's it's ruined her standing kind of within the community in those moments. It's ruined her her fellowship and her communion with God. God was angry and departed. He didn't want to be in the presence of that. And when we develop this spirit in our lives, it it, it can wreck our relationships. It can ruin our our communion with God. I put it this way, you know, when we're in church and there's a song being sung and I don't like that song. Ooh, did they they get that lyric wrong? Can't worship in this And we're looking and we're thinking all the critical things. You know, that didn't happen this morning. You guys have all sung beautifully. You made it easy for me. Uh, It would have been awkward if you had missed some words. But the reality is you look and go, I can't sing. that. I wish it was more like this. Or that preacher, I don't like his shirt. I don't like the way he talks. He paces around a bit too much. What does he know? And you know, that's fine. Think what you like about me. But you know, the reality is what it does is, It hinders us from receiving from God. It hinders us from entering his presence. It hinders us from receiving what God might have for us in any moment. It ruins our our fellowship and our communion with God. And it isolates us from other people. The more critical we are, the more negative we are, the more that comes up out of our spirit, the more people are going to want to distance themselves from us. But Moses shows them the way in this moment. And he lovingly pleads with God please don't let it end like this. Please heal her. And God responds to that. You know, Corinthians 13 says this. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I might boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. You know, the replacement for a critical attitude we see here is love. That we want to take off criticism, we want to take off that negativity, we want to take off seeing the worst in things, and replace it with an attitude of love. See, Moses, I mean, if I was Moses, I'd be like, yeah, look at what you got, you know, <laughs> like, criticize, he goes, no. No. His loving attitude and his loving spirit comes out. He's able to put his own feelings to one side. You know, Miriam actually had great standing within the community. People looked up to her, they respected her. But you know what, this critical spirit got in the way and she almost ended up with nothing. And this passage so clearly reminds us that we can have all the gifts, talents, great intentions in the world, that us as a church can serve the poor, we can, we can put on great services, we can do incredible Christmas things, but if we don't do it out of love, it's all for nothing. Because people will pick, on that, pick up on that pretty quick, wouldn't they? That, oh, these guys do this, but they don't care about us. And I love that we have a church that does all of these things because we love people and we care about our community and we want to do good things. Back from a heart of love. But you know what? If we don't start with a heart of love, the Bible clearly shows us it's all for nothing. We want to move from a place of criticism to a place of love. You know, love always takes things to a better place. When we love people, it's all about taking things to a better place. You know, giving, giving away things and, and serving and helping the poor, what does it do? It takes things to a better place. Getting alongside someone and helping them takes things to a better place. Criticism never takes things to a better place. It's never for the good of someone else. But when we do things with love, it is. You know, this verse in Corinthians continues and it says this, it says, love is patient. And if you've been to a wedding of any variety, you would have heard this before. In fact, I'm going one today. I think I'm going to use this. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. You know, there's so many things in there, isn't there? Kind, not jealous or proud. It's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record. Moses didn't keep a record of being wronged. He straight away reached out for his sister. He didn't rejoice in the injustice of that and neither should we. But it rejoices when the truth wins out. You know, this is the kind of things that we want people to say about us because of who Christ is in us and what he's able to do through us. You know, there's this uh, little thing here that I, I found really helpful about when we look at the lives of others or, or things that we have the potential to be critical of. And, and it falls into two categories here. Majors, minors, three, and then all things. You know, majors is major issues. Maybe you see something in someone, you go, this is a major problem. Like if this keeps going or this keeps happening, they're gonna have a, a major issue. That requires some action. Not action of like, oh, hey man, did you hear about that person and what they're doing? Like, that's bad like they're going down a bad path all like how irritating is that like that's not came to a place of help is it that's a place of negativity that's not going to make anything better but you know what i'd hope is if there's a major in my life maybe a friend like michelle would come to me and say hey ryan there's a major problem here like this is going on you know what because i want to help you i'm going to i'm going to talk to you about this i'm going to point it out to you and i'm going to help you move forward You know, these lucky bands that we've been using, they've been a great kind of novelty. I've been in some crowds kind of watching and someone's done something and everyone's kind of turning on, change the lucky band. They're like, ah, and they've kind of changed it. But you know what? It's an incredible helpful thing, isn't it? It's about moving forward. It's not, oh, I've got to change my lucky band. Everyone look at me. You know, it's not that. But it's about helping take people in the majors. You know, the minors require acceptance. You know, I, I believe this whole story that we started with with Moses is a major thing came out of a minor. Moses chose to marry someone they didn't approve of. But it wasn't a major issue, but they turned it into one. Their their critical attitude turned it into a major problem. But you know what? Just because someone's different to me, just because Riley and I are different, sometimes we dress the same, but mostly we're we're quite different. You know, Riley needs to learn to accept me for my differences, and he does that quite well. And I need to accept Riley for his differences. I told you, man, stripes today. Uh, But... The reality is when people are just different to how we're different, God created us all differently. When someone does something, you go, I wouldn't do it that way. But it's not a major issue, we need to learn to accept the differences amongst us. Our differences sometimes are what make us our strongest. And when we love each other and we're accepting of our our differences, sometimes someone might make a small mistake, it's a one-off thing, we learn to accept them for who they are. But in all things, we need to show love. In the majors, in the minors, in everything, we need to show a heart of love towards one another. That in this place, what would make us strong is the love that we have for God and each other. What would define us as a community is that people would look and go, they're not perfect, but gee, they love each other. Gee, they love God. Gee, they love people. Everybody wants to be around that. And some questions that kind of help with these as well. Is this a critical path that we're talking about in the majors? Is this something critical? If I leave this unchecked, is this going to be a problem for this person? Is the, per- is the problem chronic? Does it happen all the time? Is this something that's continual for them that they might need some help with? And does my proximity imply responsibility? You know, some of it, sometimes with our, our own critical attitude, and I think about myself sometimes, you know, the people that I can be the most critical of can be the people furthest away. I was reading this story out of a book of a pastor who was running a church and he brought this guy to church and it was a little bit of an unorthodox way of, of getting him to church, but you know, he got him there and he would never consider himself as someone to go to church, gave his heart to God. The pastor's like, this is the greatest day ever. Takes a, takes a photo of it, puts it on Instagram, shares the story, wakes up the next morning and is just full of criticism. Like, how could you do that? Your church has gone off the deep end. You know, why would you do that? Are you, are you, are you a devil? part? Like all these things. And he's like, I thought this was something awesome. I just love the person. And they've come to Jesus and it's full of criticism. You know, sometimes the the things that are furthest away are the things we choose to jump on. But sometimes our proximity is what implies our responsibility. I'm close to you. I have the ability to speak into your life. I'm gonna come to you. I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna help you because I want you to be able to move forward. Love always takes things to a better place. I'm gonna invite the the team back up to to join us. We're gonna sing another song in a moment. But I wanted to just share this, this story uh, to, to kind of close off. Uh, I like to talk about this every chance I get, but I'm a, I'm a West Coast Eagles fan. It's good. Yep, I hear Yep, good. And uh, so, uh, you know, since we've won that grand final, I'm going to live in that for as long as possible, basically, until somebody else wins another one. And, uh, you know, we're well, the reigning premiers, whether the reigning premiers, But... It was a great season for the Eagles, but one thing kind of happened a few weeks before finals and probably was a little bit of a, 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 well it wasn't a little bit, it was a massively bad thing. One of the Eagles' key players, Andrew Gaff, makes a horrible decision on the football field and punches another player. And he punched him so hard he did a fair bit of damage to, to the guy's face. And it became this huge issue in Perth. People immediately, what a thug, he should go to jail. You know, judging his, his character, him as a person, saying all, all these things about him. And, and the, act that, the act that he did was probably fitting of kind of some criticism, he did the wrong thing. And then the coach of the Eagles, after it happens, goes down, he sits with him, he puts his arm around him. He's clearly distressed and upset about what he's done. And you can see in that moment, he's not telling him off. He's, he's, he's sitting with him going, come on, we've got we to gotta rally through this. He gets criticized. He should have gone down there. He should have, he should have sent him away. He should, have, he should have done something else other than what he did. Then I look and the same coaches on the news and they start beginning to talk about cultural issues within the Eagles, how they're, they're thugs and they think they can do whatever they want and there's all these problems. And then funnily enough, they win a grand final and their culture's awesome. Uh, but you know, all this criticism just comes out. Family members of, of the, the young boy who, who got hit, rightfully angry, but come out and say all these things. He should go to jail. He should never be allowed to play again. One of the brothers plays with Andrew Gaff. I imagine that would be an incredibly awkward Monday morning training session. Like, hey man, how you going? You hear my brother? Uh, you know, like awkward. But he says to his dad, of the entire club of the football club, there were two people least likely to do something like that. One is the leader of the club and the other is Andrew Gaff. Completely out of character. Horrible decision. They interview Mark Brayshaw. This is the guy's dad who of the boy who gets hit. They get him on Fox Football, they've got him on the project, they're asking him these questions, what do you think about this situation, are you angry? And he just starts he goes, look, this is what I think of this situation. What happened was a horrible thing. It's a really poor decision, he's gonna pay a terrible price for the thing that he did. My boy, on the other hand, is actually gonna be okay. He'll have some surgery, but in, you know, within a few weeks he's gonna be fine, everything's gonna continue as normal for my son. He goes, unpopular, in due unpopular thoughts in my family, my attention actually is on Andrew Gaff. I feel worse for him. He did a terrible thing, but the amount of criticism and anger being directed at him is unfair. So I would plead with you to leave him alone. Don't let this define who he becomes and who he is. You need to let him move on. And I think about that story, I know it's a, 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 you know, a, a, just a sporting story out of the media, but I think if that was my kid, I'm like that dad in the playground when someone knocks over my boy, I'm like, what, you wanna start something? And the little kid's like, huh? I'm like, yeah, you two-year-old, you wanna start something? Come get some. Pick on someone your own size, yo. Know? You know, I'm that kind of guy. So if that was my kid, I can imagine how as a father he would feel towards the man that injured his son. Every right to be angry, every right to be upset, But he does not put on the hat of criticism. He doesn't take a cheap shot. He doesn't rally people against him. Probably, if I'm honest in my human thinking, that is probably the place I would go straight to. He puts on a heart of love and says, you know what, I care more about this individual than what he did. Let him move on. This guy's not a pastor. He's not, you know, uh, I don't know him, but I I don't believe he's a follower of Jesus. But us as Christian followers of Jesus who are aiming to become more and more like him, should that not be our response to things in life? Hey, that's a major issue. You've just made a big mistake. But you know what? I'm gonna hold my tongue. I'm not gonna criticize you. This is not just about letting every little thing go. But I love you enough that I'm gonna accept you for your differences. But hey, this is a big deal. I'm gonna come around. I'm gonna put my arm around you because I'm in close proximity with you. I'm going to put on a heart of love and I'm going to help you move forward. You know, when we can be defined by that kind of spirit, what does that say to the world around us? We can do all the good things in the world. We can have all the best intentions. It's so easy often to see when people criticize us how we don't like that. But so often it's harder to look and see where we do that with others. But when we focus on having a heart of love, a heart that says, yes, you're not perfect, but I'm gonna love you anyway. Yes, you do things differently to the way I do them. Yes, the way you operate and live your life is different to the way I do, but I wanna accept and love you for who you are because I'm reminded about God's truth that all people were created by Him, unfortunately imperfect. But the more and more I take those steps to be more and more like Jesus, the more that requires Patience, kindness, love. And when God's people live out of that space, what potential that has to change our church, change our relationships with God, and change the world around us. And we're going to sing this great song, Elohim. We've been singing this a bit lately, but I love the, the truth that it basically declares that scripture that we've just read. It talks about how God is patient in his kind, he's not envious, he doesn't boast. I love the line about how it talks about his ways are higher than ours. That his thoughts go way beyond the unknown. And as we sing this this morning, my hope would be that we are able to take on a little bit more of that character of God and put it on. And become a little bit more and more like him. That as we declare that truth about him, as we lift up who he is, that we get to take on a little bit more of that. It becomes a little bit less of us. And for those of us who this is a thing for, where you feel like that, you'll be, if you're like me, you'll be changing that rubber band a lot because I did that a lot this week. In fact, I think I broke it from like, it got weak, right? I gotta get into Fiona stationary cupboard and get some more, don't tell her. But the reality is, I wanna become more like Jesus and Jesus loved everyone. You know, I wanna know when I'm wronged, I could act like Moses and love first, and put myself second. So we're gonna, we're gonna sing this song. Why don't we stand? We're gonna, we're gonna worship God. I'm gonna pray for us in the moment. In fact, I'm gonna pray for us now. God, I thank you that you are a God of love. That despite our imperfections, despite the attitudes that we need to adjust, despite all the things that we get wrong, this morning, this, this idea of that critical attitude, Lord, for those of us that struggle with that, God, I thank you that you love us anyway, that you are patient with us, that you are kind to us, that you are gentle, And Lord, that you wanna take us to a better space. So God, I pray that as we're in this place, we would be clothed with a little bit more of your love. You know, if you're in this place and you feel like that critical attitude is a little bit of, of who you are, I'd encourage you to allow God to replace that with a bit more of His love in your life. Not to beat yourself up, not to feel guilty, not to feel like you haven't got it all together, but to know that God extends His grace to us. He just wants us to be a little bit more like Him. So as we declare this truth, may this be a truth about our great God, but could this be a truth about who we are as people. That we would be loving, that we would be gracious, kind, that we would make a difference in the world because of our love. So, could we sing this song? I'd encourage you to, to raise your hands to God if you feel comfortable doing that. Maybe you need a, a portion of His love and grace in your life. You can open your hands out to, to receive that from Him. Well, let's, let's really worship and, and declare His goodness in this place. Can we sing those words? God is patient, God is kind.